Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Hey everyone, you're listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruden, and on today's episode is Nina Church Adams. Nina, it's been two years. We've been I know, to do we've this. been trying for so long. We finally did it. I know. Well, thanks for uh, being on the show. Uh, well, let's just start uh, your background. Yeah. I mean, you were, we had like a whole podcast episode before we started recording. Yes. <laughs> but if you don't mind just giving a little bit uh, your background, your, your some of the positions you've done here locally in Portland, that'd be great. Yeah. So I, I always, well, thanks for having me, first of all. It's so good to connect and finally get a chance to do this. I um, I always say about my background that I think as with, as is true with many people, I it doesn't always make sense on paper. You know, I have kind of the zigzag path as opposed to the linear path, which sure. again, I think is not uncommon. But I think what I mean by that is to say that I've you know, worked in, in nonprofit and in private sector. I've worked for really big companies and I've worked for startups. I, sometimes I say that the common thread in my career has been marketing, but even when I think about that, I've also done operations roles right. and product management roles and sometimes even, I feel like, HR <laughs> roles and functions. And mm-hmm. certainly earlier in my career in nonprofits, you know, you, wear, you do every role. Everything. So I think that you have all those different things. And so, you know, for me, what that journey has looked like is, you know, starting in nonprofits in China, and then ultimately kind of when I ended up in the corporate sector, had some great experience really growing up as a marketer at places like American Express. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, when we moved out to Portland eight years ago, continuing my career as a marketer, but on the nonprofit side again at the Nike Foundation. So the girl effect is what brought me to Portland. Well, I didn't know that. Okay. um, I know you, you know, you were on from the East Coast. So how did that role come about? Did you seek it out or? We did. You know, as someone who's a native New Yorker, born and raised in New York City, uh, never thought I'd want to leave until I had a six-month-old in a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn <laughs> and was married to a, a, a my, my husband is a Brit who's from the countryside. We okay. were city mouse, country mouse. And finally, I kept on moving him further and further out towards the parks in, in Brooklyn to mm-hmm. Prospect Park. And ultimately, I, I said, I you know, we could always get that next bigger apartment, but I finally was ready for a change. I had so many friends who were New Yorkers, who married New Yorkers, who all the grandparents were in New York. Yeah. but. We had family East Coast, West Coast, England, Europe. And so we really just started to do a list of things that were important to us in a place. Mm-hmm. And Portland popped up on the list. We had Portland was on the list, Denver, a little bit of San Diego, mm-hmm. a little bit of Munich. We kind of looked at everything. <laughs> Ultimately, my cousin and her kids live here. And yeah. they, they uh, we, we came out and they showed us a... They rolled out the red carpet, the Portland red carpet for us, yeah. and we went to the Blazers game and took in the cool. sights. And my husband kind of fell in love and... Decided to As make the move. As many people do, right? Yeah, absolutely, and yeah. kind of never looked back. And at the time, a friend of a friend was hiring for a role at Nike Foundation, and for me, it seemed like the perfect balance of, you know, some. I, my career had been marked with a lot of diversity work and employee engagement, and also women and girls advancement work. Mm-hmm. But also, it was that blend of mission-driven work at a corporation, yeah. really powered by one of the most powerful brands in the world. And so, yeah. to be able to help move that mission forward. Uh, at a critical time of that journey was kind of an opportunity, you know, a, a dream opportunity yeah. at that stage and in my career. So many, a few awesome roles since then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I know we first met when I, you were at Finastra. I was, yeah. And prior to that, it was DNH. So that was. Right. Um, so I went kind of after my four-year stint at, at Nike Foundation. I was I was working at at the Girl Effect for a grant that was funded by the Gates Foundation and okay. the World Bank, and so that was a time-bound thing where we were launching a program that ultimately we rolled off to Mercy Corps, okay. which is still running today. It was called Girl Effect University. Now it's called um, Girl Spark. Mm-hmm. And after that, I thought about going into Nike, but I also uh, to, to the Ink side. But I also we wanted to stay in Portland, and there's you know there's a pretty big tech scene in Portland. I'm not sure if you heard about, <laughs> <I'm starting laughs> about that. About yeah. It. 
but we, you know, I had the I had the Finn side from Amex from American Express when I was in New York, right. but I didn't have the tech side. And so at that point, I was approached about a fintech opportunity at DNH. That that was a, a Canadian um, publicly traded company, one billion dollars, and ultimately Vista Equity Partners acquired DNH, okay. merged it with another company to become Finastra. So I think, that, as you mentioned, we talked when I was probably in that fintech world. Yeah, and tell me about that. I mean, obviously, it's still booming and it's a hot space, but right then, that moment in time, it was kind of like really this is the next thing. Right? Oh yeah, so. it was a t- you know, it's it's such an exciting space to be in in fintech. So much change. I think, you know, if we think about all the, the themes in our careers, I think a lot of us could say transformational change is one of those themes, right? Change yeah. is change being the only constant. But for me to join DNH when they were really thinking about I think, you know, uh, really growing up their marketing department and I think that they um, were really ready to have marketing uh, mature as a function of the organization and really be a strategic g- growth driver and, yeah. and thought leader. And so to help build that marketing function and support the growth of that marketing function through then the acquisition, um, for anyone who's ever who's familiar with Best Equity Partners, they're, you know, it's one of the, right. I think the largest, uh, I think their probably combined portfolio would make them probably like the third largest software company in the world. Yeah. Um, they uh, most recently um, had uh, also had Marketo as part of their portfolio before Adobe acquired them. So anyway, it's a, a great place as someone to work to learn a lot of best practices in the industry about, about uh, you know, B2B software, mm-hmm. marketing, go-to-market strategy, things like that. So there was, yes, tons, you know, tons of change, you know, building up new marketing teams, merger acquisitions, all the things that come with that. Yeah. And so for me, I think building up a team at DNH and then, getting a new role and rebuilding a team or building up a new yeah. team or being part of this new team at Finastra was an amazing learning experience as both a marketer mm-hmm. and a leader and also in, an, in a really dynamic kind of innovative industry. And I mean, their office is here still and they still have a good sized team here. They do. They have a yeah. great team, Finastra. So I was lucky enough to be there when um, they uh, we actually had been for a while in the in or- Oregonian building where Elemental yeah. is. Yeah. They, they've now um, moved and I think... Um, they're in like the nines. I forgot oh, what that okay. building is called. But yes, the um, in that kind of office space. Mm-hmm. But they have several hundred people here. One of their core products, Laser Pro, is mm-hmm. is here. And so it's a great team. I yeah. went to their office, their new office launch party, and oh, I still cool. talked to a lot of those folks. And it's a great industry. And there's a lot of really cool fintech startups here in Portland that I got connected with through that work. And so it's been fun being part of that Portland fintech scene as well. If you think about Mirador, Simple, um, as well, some of the kind of other startups out there. That blows my mind. That's what I'm every day. I'm like learning about a new company, yes. a new person, and it's super exciting to be here because there's so much going on. Like I'm only scratching the surface. And so you you laughed and you led marketing for ActOn. I did, right? yeah. That was another really great kind of chapter because to go to from fintech to martech, and I think I always I used to joke that, you know, I loved fintech and I still love fintech. But as much as I, you know, when I was selling compliance you know, documentation <laughs> solutions, I, you know, or mortgage <laughs> lending solutions, yeah. I could try to get inside the mind of the mortgage underwriter as much as I could, but I would never truly understand their pain, right? That's probably good. It's, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I think I tried. I, all the mortgage underwriters out there, I, I tried to understand your pain. But I think for me at Act On, it was, I was selling to marketing leaders yeah. and we were marketers, helping marketers, we, we, our team, you know, including myself, used this, the platform, anyone who uses marketing automation as a marketing leader, whether it's Acton or the Marketos or HubSpots or Pardots mm-hmm. or Eloquas of the world, um, it's a it's a mission critical software for yep. your business. And so I feel like I 
you know, in, in most jobs as a marketing leader, learning, being being up to date on marketing trends is kind of what you do on the side. Mm-hmm. But to be able to do that, it, it's your job at Act On to be up to date on the latest right. trends in marketing. And so yeah. I feel like I even got my own MBA in kind yeah. of digital marketing and the latest thinking in, in just marketing technology and being part of the MarTech community is yeah. a, a real privilege, I think, as a marketing leader. It really is a community. And oh, the, my one gosh. One of the things I love that you, you did since you took that role, you were doing it before a little bit, it seemed ramped up, is a lot of great content you were putting on LinkedIn yourself and writing, podcasts, videos. And it did seem like that was a community of the MarTech, people kind of coming together to help share that and inter- engage with it, right? Uh, well, absolutely. And I was I, I was just talking to someone at breakfast this morning about that, kind of that community. And I, I'm actually speaking uh, next month at the Abilities Marketing Love Sales yeah. Conference, and the theme is social selling. Mm-hmm. And so talking about some of that, you know, really that whole notion that people don't buy products, they buy, you know, that people buy from people, right? And they mm-hmm. buy from people who are part of brands, right? Mm-hmm. And so that whole notion of, you know, how many purchase decisions I've made as a marketing buyer where I first got to know the leader of a company, and then I got to know their company, and then I got to understand their product, and then maybe I, and, and then and then I bought it because I realized that there was a value there. But yeah. really, people are buying from people, and so social selling and that content and LinkedIn and video and all these different things, um, it's really kind of fundamental to who who we are as buyers and people and how we want to buy. Yeah. Well, let's let's. Oh, there's a couple of things I want to unpack there. First of all, shout out to Mike at Ability and his team. They uh, put on a great event. They're the best. Yeah. And that, um, every year it just gets better and better. I'm privileged and really yeah, excited they, to be. Uh, Part of that. It's a great event. And uh, the B2B, do you feel like it's the golden age of B2B marketing? So a person I had on earlier, he's a former colleague of uh, mine. He uh, worked at Adobe. Now he's at Telium. He's he's an account exec. And he said, first, the first challenge is getting past people just uh, knowing you're a real person mm-hmm. at this point, right? In the age of the bots. Yeah. Right. Are you a bot? Hello? Yeah. Are you a real person? It's like all the personalization with stuff like Marketo. Sure. Yeah. Has almost like there's... It's it's helpful, but it's almost created another barrier a little bit. So yeah, no, I mean, I think I was again. I think as I've been talking about this a lot. I think just in my recent conversations around town and thinking about even just my next marketing adventure and kind of the opportunities in the market and the space. And I think that one of the things I think about, as you mentioned, with the kind of scene and the community that's mm-hmm. there, is that I think from the outside looking in, I think you can see all a lot of those brands and those brand leaders in Martech. And if you're pessimist, I think you could kind of think. That it's they're kind of part of this kind of exclusive club, but it's it's totally. I think I'm an optimist, but I also think it's totally the opposite. I think it's a group of people in industry who are maniacally focused and dedicated on creating, on, on disrupting their categories and creating meaningful and and kind of evolved and, and improved customer experiences and brand experiences. And I think to your point about kind of the bots is that I think we're all trying to get back to basics, right, of authenticity and marketing. Yes. And I think that there's been so much advancement in technology, which should not be underscored, right? You want to have your your great tech stack and you want to have your demand gen op- engine optimized. But after all that's done, you kind of want to uh, look inward and make sure that you're talking to real people using real words and real language and that you're not actually kind of over-engineering your messaging, right? And it's kind of this whole notion of kind of, it's a kind of retro, right? It's kind of bringing it back to basics. And I think that you'll see, I think in all that conversation you just talked about, a lot of those themes are really about the basics of copywriting, the basics of human connection about in you know meeting face to face or or person to person it's it sounds almost like we're kind of going back in time right. but it's those are those are the fundamental truths of marketing and selling it's uh, yeah it's interesting because so, it's a weird time a little bit but at the same time there's such a huge opportunity and i think to your point yeah. though i think relative to being the golden age i think it's even that even that phrase is really is really relevant because i think it yeah. is kind of a golden age relative to yeah. kind of 
there there's there's so much opportunity there to to disrupt but also to connect and to add value mm-hmm. but i think it requires people being transparent and vulnerable and honest and not and you know, just not trying to be something or someone that they're not right and, yeah no and it's it's interesting so um and we're helping a a a company produce a podcast. They're a Fortune 50 company, okay. and they've had a lot of uh, kind of things happen uh, recently with like data breaches and stuff. But the thing they want to do is um, they intentionally don't do marketing. Like they're not producing like these high gloss videos. Mm-hmm. They're going away from all that. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. But yeah, they're still figuring out like how to you know humanize things a little bit. And I think that's it's more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Right. So I do think so. Let's talk about leadership a little bit. I mean, you've had all these roles. It's, it's all kind of been within the marketing function. Yeah. But like you said, you've wore many hats. Yes. Like my kind of HR hat, my COO. What are some of the things, if you progressed through your career, that um, you've kind of learned the hard way maybe? But sure. Or some just like good takeaways uh, now that you're a little further down your career you can share? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I like to say, I hope that my team members or my you know, fellow fo- former team members would agree, but I think I'm, I'm a great marketer, but I think what I, I'm probably a better leader or, or, I, or I, I care more about the leadership. Yeah. Right? I mean, the marketing is, is yeah. part of who I am and I love it and I, and I love to do that work. But I think the most important work to be done is, is to, to build and lead teams and to support people. And I think that a couple of lessons, I mean, I think that one um, kind of lesson or practice that I brought on early on is I think having a framework, I'm, I'm uh, relative to kind of talent assessment and growth and development. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot, there's a lot of frameworks out there. I think at, uh, there's the kind of Seattle Insights, red, yellow, green, blue. I did that at Nike. Of course, there's Myers-Briggs, mm-hmm. there's DISC, there's a whole bunch of things. One of the ones that I've really um, used in my, probably with my last four teams at different f- companies has been StrengthsFinder with Gallup. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that what I love about StrengthsFinder is the, the, the fundamental premise that, uh, you know, that there's no all strengths are created equal, right? It's not about these strengths are better than others. It's that we all come to the table with a certain amount of kind of innate strengths and that it's better for us as teams to have people invest in those strengths as opposed to trying to disproportionately invest in areas that are just not, that they're not naturally as strong in. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, what I've done and I've did it with some consultants at at Nike and DNH and Fastron and kind of tried to, you know, kind of do do it on my own also with different Mm -hmm. teams like at Act On is help people tap into, you know, you, you got the book, you do the quiz, yep. you figure out what your five strengths are. But I think more importantly than that, you create a common framework for your team of understanding and sharing out with your team, this is who mm-hmm. I am, These are, this is what I bring to the table, these are my strengths, these are the strengths of your colleagues on your team, yeah. and, and and help, you know, call on those strengths. And mm-hmm. so if you're not an analytical person and you have an analytical problem, challenge, you know, look at your sheet right. on your on your desk and say, oh, you know, Dan's really good at that. Let me bring him into this conversation mm-hmm. and how it's kind of the one plus one makes three yeah. model. And I think to give people, I think that that's important to help professional development. I think it's also more important than ever during times of change in companies, because I always tell my teams that no matter what's happening in a company of, you know, change and, and you know, you can feel as, as an employee sometimes like things are out of your control, but what you always can control is you know how you're learning and growing and developing and you know your career building up t- skills in your tool set and how you're trying to bring those skills and strengths to bear for that company. Yeah. You're trying to add value and you're trying to learn and grow. And as long as you're personally doing that, you can feel good about your role in that place and what you're doing to move yourself and that company forward and also how that will take you in the future. And so I think that if you invest in those things in your team, again, that'll, you know, customer, you know, employee experience drives yeah. customer experience. I, I think that that really 
will set your business up for success. And I think that's the kind of ultimate. Yeah, I love how you look at yourself as a leader first, then a marketer, right? Yeah. And then it's finding your superpower. Yes, kind of 100%. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm unleashing that. your superpower. Yeah, unleashing it, right? And um, I'm, as I raise my kids, I'm trying to focus on that. Yes. I was kind of, I was kind of raised the other way. It's like, what's the worst thing you're, you're yeah. at? And we're going to like go work on drills. Yeah, yeah. Go do some drills. Yeah. yeah. So like, oh, I don't want to do that. But, uh, so, you know, this, talk about Portland. It's, uh, you've been here a while now. It's a mid-market town, but mm. it's super close-knit, right? Oh, Especially my gosh. Especially as you get in the tech community. So uh, what, what, how's that been for you just career-wise, just personally, too, like being here and as you've kind of uh, transitioned to these different leadership roles? Just talk about that. I think, yeah, I think it's a really vibrant community, and it's growing. I think, I mean, you're, you see that. You're kind of at the epicenter of a mm. lot of that with your different kind of functional leadership groups that you've kind of created and curated. I it was really fun for me. I think having worked at so many for so many global roles, I think, uh, you know, even at Nike Foundation, you know, our team was here in Portland, but a lot of our work, we had offices in Africa right. and London and a lot of our work, certainly at DNH and Finastra, uh, for many, for, for all my years there, my boss and my, and my peers and my direct reports were predominantly not in Portland. And so what's been really fun, I think, this last chapter of my career being in Portland tech is have, you know, being here, you know, with these Portland tech companies being in the Portland tech scene. And I think it really is a community that supports each other, that um, is learning from each other, is growing. I think, you know, I think that we are continuing to try to attract and retain the best and the top talent. But I think that, you know, we've we've gotten some really great talent in Portland. And I think that hopefully we'll continue to to get some some more of it. Because I think that there's so many companies that are coming here and doing good work that I think we just want to continue to get the word out there to folks that not too many folks, but enough yeah, folks that we so, have, yeah. <laughs> there's that fine balance, but I so think, balance, you know, yeah. you want to, um, there's great opportunity here for people who want to be part of, you know, growing some really great companies. Yeah, I know. I'm just constantly like, I so saw I'm old school. I still get the wall street journal in print. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I went back recently, but, um, there's just something, uh, article like a couple days ago about how like everybody's moving to cheaper markets like Portland. I'm like, no, don't. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, come, come, come if yeah, you're top talent, right. but if you're not, but otherwise, yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, well, this, you know, transitions nicely what we were talking before we started recording, just kind of, you know, we both have kids and just, you know, balancing the family thing. And, um, can you just, I, I know people hate the word balance, and but it is something that's important to talk about. Yeah. Just kind of to chat through. And uh, how have you found that uh, challenging or, or just how, how you make it work? Because pers- selfishly for me, I would love some advice. But Yes. No, I'm happy. We have to, yeah. we're, we're in this together, right? As, yeah. as working parents. But I would think that, um, yeah, I, so I have, I have two kids who are um, five and eight, my son, Jamie, and my daughter, Emily. And uh, I think that, you know, I think especially as part of my work as a leader, but also being involved in a lot of like DE&I conversations about, and I think that more and more, I think whether or not work-life balance, I think that culture is is a driving force Mm -hmm. in conversation in a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of goes also back to employee experience, right? I think that, I think think people, a lot of people come to Portland because Portland generally is a market and a place where people understand the fact that they want people to bring their whole selves to work and also put family and life first. And that if you do that, you're going to bring, your better self and your whole self to work. And so I think that, you know, for folks who, uh, you know, don't believe that, I, th- and I think that you're just doing yourself and your company a disservice because I think that, you know, there's there's very – a lot of truisms, right, about um, creating an environment where people feel like they can be their whole selves, do their best work, but also that they can leave and take their kids to the doctor's appointment if right. they need to. And it doesn't mean they're not committed, that they're going to be back online later doing the work. I think yeah. it comes to – 
goes back to kind of like remote working and trust and things like that. I just know for myself, and I think this is a conversation I've had with my team over the years, you know, I've been really privileged and I think supported by my employers in the last several jobs of knowing that I'm going to, you know, have to drop off the kids in the morning and I'll have to kind of be home by, you know, six for daycare or right. to relieve the nanny or whatever. And I, you know, I'm going to be offline from six, from six to eight. I'm going to be having dinner with my family and putting my kids to bed. My family and I have family dinner every night that I'm not traveling or my husband's not traveling. Right. Um, but I'm probably almost every day going to be back online from eight to 11 or, or what have you. And I'm a night owl and that works for me. Yeah. And what I've, I've, I've made it a practice, um, if it gets really late to try to do delayed delivery on my email so that my team isn't getting kind of emails right before they go yeah. to bed at midnight and they're thinking, oh my gosh, do I have to respond right. to that now right. and things like that. But more more importantly, I think what I say to them is that we all have, some people get in early, some people stay and work until seven, some mm-hmm. people work in the evenings. It's what works for you in your life. And I think it's respecting that and helping people know, listen, if I email you at midnight, it's not because I'm looking for you to respond at right. midnight. We'll pick that up in the morning. Yeah. And it was just when I happened to be working. That's great. And so I think that really just, I think, openly communicating with your team. And I think it also goes for some supporting your team members who don't have kids with the fact that it's not only people with kids who need work-life balance yeah. or flexibility. It's yeah. what are your commitments or your hobbies or your investments in your health or in your life or in your extended family or whatever is important to you to refill your cup and and to be full as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that goes for you know, networking, you know, talk, yeah. talk a lot about that. You know, how do you engage yourself outside of work to have your creative juices flowing and to have your your purpose cup full and your family cup and your life cup full so that you do your best thinking and work, right? I think that that's, I don't know, I think that's another kind of fundamental truth. Absolutely. And well, what are some of the things that you do outside of work, maybe outside your family that are those kind of refilling your cup? Well, I think, you know, so, um, so right now, as you talked about, I'm kind of, uh, it's for the first time, in my, I'm a free agent. And for the first time yeah. in my career, I'm kind of looking and thinking about that next thing. And yeah. so one of the things I've reflected on, uh, as I've been talking to people about, marketing opportunities or other kind of opportunities. I'm doing some work with bringing some women together here in Portland mm-hmm. with some colleagues is that I've, I think networking is, is one. I'm an extrovert. I, I'm a student of network theory. Mm-hmm. I was a sociologist as uh, by oh. academic background and I studied network theory for my undergraduate and graduate dissertation. And I, I, it's a intellectual passion of mine, but it's also being with people and connecting with people and sharing ideas it, uh, engages me and excites me. And yeah. I think that I, that, so that I, I often, when I'm, in a role, focused on a role, don't always carve out the time. I think you and I have been trying to do this podcast for two yeah, years. Right. <laughs> so I think yeah. that's a perfect example yeah. of that, right? This is a, and when I, and when you and I do connect at the different Portland marketing forums, we always have a great connection. Yeah. And so I think for me, one of the lessons is, you know, figuring out what those things are that fill you up mm-hmm. and, and being intentional about making the time for it because it's going to, to serve your family life and your work life and, and all yeah. the other kind of dimensions of your life it's hard though it's hard yeah, but you're right and you have to be really yeah. intentional about it and you have to and it's, it, you know people might call it self-care or whatever pick your thing whatever it is but you have to schedule it in right mm. and you have to know that doing that work it's not like cheating on your job or family or yeah. being pulling yourself away it's actually doing the things that are gonna keep you engaged and fulfilled and it's gonna it'll 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 have the the, the returns it'll have better returns for yeah. everyone it's, it's sometimes hard to see that when you feel like you're being pulled in a million different yeah, directions. I, I needed to hear that. I'm, I'm, uh, I have, I have a lot of guilt of yeah. being with my little kids or my, my wife. But um, 
I, I don't meditate at all, but I, mm. I, I just got Calm, the app Calm. Okay, have yeah. You ever used it? I have it. I'm, I'm, there's Headspace and all the different ones yeah, out there. It's, yeah, it's similar. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard for me to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to sit there and just like. It's, that's uh, not, I, I, yeah. That is not a superpower that I have developed yeah, quite yet. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it would benefit me to do so. But mm-hmm. for me, it's more, you know, connecting with other people who are doing interesting things that kind of get me excited. But I think, but to your point, I think that there's a lot of things like that, whether it's meditation or yoga right. or physical active hiking whatever mm-hmm. it is kind of pick your poison but yeah making it's it's we have to all keep not only remind ourselves but keep on reminding each other that it's okay it's to, okay and i you know i'm a, i always say that I, you know I'm, i have my fair share of mom guilt but frankly you know i'm a better mom for working i like mm-hmm. i i had working parents and i learned a lot from them and i felt their love and felt supported yeah. by them and yeah. nurtured in my path that we were blessed to have a really great community of caregivers who yeah. help support us and who are part of our family you know and so i think that we have to also trust in ourselves. I, I, I also, though, know that it's for me with, with my children, it also helps talk about work. And when I go on a business trip, mm-hmm. this is something actually that um, Maria um, Idol, I, I tell in at Nike Foundation, who was the chairman and, and head of Nike Foundation, said at a session many, many years ago, was that when she would travel, she um, she would never tell her her daughter that she was sad to go She because she – she wouldn't want her daughter to think, well, then why are you leaving, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it's whenever I've traveled, and I've traveled a lot in my career internationally yeah. and other things, I've said, I tell my ch- kids where I'm going. I, I, mommy gets to go to Rwanda for the girl effect, or I'm going to Paris for Finastra, and yeah. and that's where the Eiffel Tower is, and I'm going to go do this really interesting meeting, and I'm going to help. I'm building this new team and yeah. to talk about what the work is and to, and to bring them back and to teach them about that place mm-hmm. and to tell them and to have them see that you're excited about the work that you do makes them feel excited about supporting you in that work and then you can come home and and, re- and revel and mm-hmm. relish the time that you mm-hmm. have together but i think not making it feel like oh i don't want to go i love that you know i'm gonna adopt that yeah because it's just like yeah. we all we all travel and do but that's also yeah. going to help them think about the great work that they want to do right. and seeing the world and right yeah um so last thing I mentioned, you're speaking again, it's October... October 7th. 7th. At Obilities cool. Marketing Love Sales Conference. So everyone, yeah, come out. It's going to be a great a great day. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a little behind on posting, but we'll get a post before then. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Nina, thanks so much for doing this. Great to see you. Yeah, great to see you too. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I'm Dan Bruden, and you've been listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. Original music was composed for this episode by Levi Downey. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts 